Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast, episode number 95. Bill Wilson and his double drop tine 190 inch Ohio Whitetail Giant. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. You got to check out Big Buck Registry's deer hunting podcast on iTunes. You can hear me, Scott Laysath, the sporting chef, and a whole bunch of other people giving you some great information you can use on how to make your deer Tastes better at the table. Hey, how we doing, everybody? This is the E-Man with your hillbilly weather. But we also got something else in force for you. We got a forecast for this deer season that's going to be coming up. And them deer had a hard winter out here, and they're going to be running around. I got a feeling this rut coming up this year is going to be one like we ain't seen in a while, kind of like the winter we've had was one and the same. Get ready for another episode of the Big Buck Registry Deer Hunting Podcast. And everybody have a good day. Hey, everybody. This is Kirsten Godfrey, the Kentucky Huntress. You're up for another amazing podcast with Jay and Dusty on the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. This is your host, Jay Scott, and I'm also joined by my co-host, my good friend in Buckeye, Dusty Phillips. What's happening, Dusty? Man, I tell you what, uh, here it is Saturday. Monday is opening of turkey season here in ohio jay gobble 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 hopefully a boom and no more booms after that i do love turkey hunting i mean i love deer hunting but man i love turkey hunting too that's just something else that uh gets you outdoors and gets you chasing a critter that's uh everybody says is easy to hunt but man i've struggled and gonna try it again this year you know absolutely it's a, it's it's one of those things you have to do as a hunter period just have to go turkey hunting too yeah, in my, in a- my mind that's the way I feel about it. Right. It's one of the things where there's the, the the more and more I do it, there's nothing better than a gobble in the morning. Holy mm-hmm. smokes. It, it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. I learn about deer hunting when I go turkey hunting. I learn about turkey hunting uh, when I go deer hunting. It's um, pretty crazy. They, they're all connected. So Absolutely. Yep. And I tell you what, uh, Jay, we, we've got a whole lot going on for the Big Buck Registry. Yes. You know, we just fired off the, the new sponsor page, and that's Big Buck Registry dot com forward slash sponsor correct if you got a business if you got a product and you'd like to get your product to the show check out bigbuckregistry.com forward slash sponsor that's a good point if you've got a product that is unique to the deer hunting industry and you want to get it broadcasted to the world and get people to know about it is a good spot to start is on a podcast or on a facebook page where our combined facebook followers are about 170,000 or so. Easy. Easy. It'll get you a tremendous amount of of exposure for a very short amount of money. It's just, it's a good deal. So check us out at bigbuckregistry.com forward slash sponsor. Now, one caveat is that we have to be able to review and approve any product that comes through. I'm not just going to have any old sponsor. I need to investigate the product itself and make sure it's exactly what I would recommend to our viewership and Big Buck Nation. No question about it. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more to that. So check that out, bigbuckregistry.com forward slash sponsor. Mm-hmm. Dusty, there there is a buck that comes along just once in a lifetime now and then. And one came along for a fellow by the name of Bill Wilson in your home state of Ohio just recently. It's a double drop time. And you pointed this out. We were trying to find Bill. Bill was trying to find us. We chased Bill quite a bit, really. We chased him. We hunted him, Bill down. We liked the way this buck right. looked. And then all of a sudden, I get an email from Bill. I said, Bill, where you been? We've been looking for you for a while because we were aware of your, your buck, your giant 190-inch-plus double drop time. And voila, there he is right on my phone. And I was like, Bill, the deer gods want us to do this show together. And he's like, I'm in, man. Let's do this. 
Yeah, it's crazy, right? You know, we was looking for him, and he was looking for us. Sometimes that's just the way it works out. Then what's the odds he's hooking up with Ed Waite to get his deer scored by Buckmaster? Right. Holy cow. It's all one big, great circle that we're in. It's awesome. I love it. And we get to talk to Bill and hear the story of this massive double drop time that was spreading like viral wild wildfire on Facebook and social media uh, just a couple months ago. You know, I, I can't wait to ask Bill if he named this buck, Jay. I bet. I bet you cannot wait for that. It's so, one of my favorite parts of the show. It is. It's one of my favorite parts, too. So let's uh, let's get Bill on and uh, learn more about this double drop time from Ohio. Let's do it. I'm super excited. Let's get Bill on the phone. Bill Wilson, welcome to the Big Buck Registry's Deer Hunting Podcast. How's it going, Bill? Very good. Thanks, guys. Oh, psyched to have you on. Now, we're talking a lot of inches tonight. Uh, yeah, quite a few. How many inches exactly are we discussing? Uh, gross score was 198, and the uh, net after deductions was 190 and 68. That's a big deer in anybody's book. I don't That's care who giant. you are. It's a giant. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking like the nets for fishing, so let's keep with the gross. Okay. Yeah, I like gross. <laughs> Bill, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Uh, I'm actually from Akron, Ohio, um, born and raised here, 50 years old, and I've uh, been married for 26 years. Gotcha. So uh, right from the area here. Uh, you're in Akron, Dusty's in Farmersville. How far apart are you guys? Uh, uh, about three and a half, four hours. You're on, you're in Dayton, right, Dusty? Yeah, I'm just a little bit southwest of Dayton. So, yeah, probably about right. Three, way I drive three hours, maybe okay. you, Bill, three and a half. <laughs> So, as as the, uh, the as Ohio is drawn, whereabouts is Akron? Just so everybody listening can get an idea. It's uh, it's about forty five minutes south of Cleveland. Okay, and if you had a point like to the state, is it northeast, southwest, whereabouts? It, it's almost directly south, so sure. it'll be you know slightly southeast, but almost directly south of Cleveland. Okay, so okay, so north central Ohio is what we're discussing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Now, the hunting that you did to take down this buck, was that all in Ohio as well? Yes. Yep. Okay. Let's let's get into a little bit about the, the setup and how did you go about shooting such a magnificent animal in the first place? This doesn't happen every day, so there's going to be some things that you did along the way to make this successful. Tell us about your uh, your hunting endeavors uh, how did you get into hunting in the first place? Um, oddly enough, uh, uh, I, I the company I worked for transferred me to a, a new location, and one of the uh, uh, teammates I was working with there shot bows just for fun. And he told me to go buy a bow, and we'd just hang out and you know drink a couple beers and shoot a bow. And we got really good at it. <laughs> and I said, you know, we could probably hunt something with these. And that's exactly how I got started in the hunting. That was about twenty about twenty six years ago. That's pretty funny. So you, you started shooting bows first. Say, hey, we're pretty good. We could probably kill something if we. Uh... That's exactly how it went. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's great. great. I love that. That was pretty cool. <laughs> so, what kind of what were you shooting to begin with? If you're if you don't mind me asking, uh, I had a an old PSE compound and uh, and actually hunted with that bow for about 15 years. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty tall guy, um, so my draw length was really big. And at the time, it was aluminum arrows, and they were they were just huge. They looked like broom handles. And they were really slow. <laughs> I didn't have much success, to be honest with you. Gotcha. So you had to learn as an adult. This was not a thing that you learned as a child. This was something you had to kind of figure out older in life. You know, and that I think to me that's what makes um that that's what makes every successful hunt for me more exciting is is I taught myself. And mm. it was you know just about the time the internet was coming out. Um, but most of the things I did were read in magazines, in hunting magazines. And I'd, I'd go out into the woods and I'd, I'd say, okay, this is what they meant by that, or this is what this looks like, or this is what a real scrape is or a real rub is. And, uh, you know, it, it just makes it more gratifying to know that it's something that was self-taught and, and I stuck to it. And, you know, to harvest a deer like this, I think, is uh, is a pretty cool ending to a story like that. Gotcha. Now, how did you go about teaching yourself? Did you read books? Um, just yeah, absolutely. But like I said, the hunting magazines, just reading and, and then going into the woods and applying what you read, you know, you, you find a deer trail. Okay, well, that's what a deer trail looks like. And then you just follow it and you start to see other deer sign that, that you read about in the book. So, okay, if they're, you know, hook marks look like this, they're does, they're bucks. If you, you know, you find a rub line, you pursue that, look for scrapes, you try and find, you know, bedding areas. And, and then if you do, you back out of that. So, um, you know, just all kind of put together by trial and error. 
Gotcha. And did you have a, a, a partner to, to help you kind of work through the guide guidelines or did you just made mental notes of mistakes, trial and error kind of thing? Uh, mostly trial and error and, and hunting with a lot of different individuals, whoever I could find to hunt with, I would go with. Okay. And, you know, the more, the more you, you talk to people, they've experienced things and they can show you things. And it was just whoever, whoever I could get to go at the time. Interesting. What was some of the, what was the most interesting thing you learned and from whom did you learn it as you're going through the paces? Um, probably the, the most interesting was, um, you know, the importance of, uh, scent and wind. Um, and it was a, a gentleman that my wife introduced me to that had been hunting his entire life. He grew up in woods and, and, you know, even, even slow stalking deer, um, you know, which is very difficult to do is possible if you play your wind right and you keep your scent down and things like that. So, um, you know, he's, he probably taught me the most about, you know, deer itself. Gotcha. Now I'd like to, for a, a little bit here, Bill is I'd like to have dusty kind of pick your brain a little bit about what types of things you bring into the woods with you or what kind of gear you feel is important to the hunt. Cause each hunter, there's certain things we feel we must have. And I'm curious to find out what kind of things you like to pack uh, as you approach a field or, or approach a hunt. Dusty, you want to walk them through that? Yeah, absolutely, Bill. Let's get into a little bit about, you know, we're getting geared up for season here and we're starting to get all of our equipment out. What What's some of the necessities that you take to the woods with you day in and day out? Um, you, you know, it's it's funny because my setup is a little different now um, than the way I used to hunt. And, uh, um, when I used to hunt, I, I always had, I always took things with me, like for survival. Um, you know, always the ability to start a fire, always the, uh, you know, always make sure that you had a knife, a good set of binoculars, um, and some rain gear. Um, so when, and that was when I was driving to Southern Ohio a lot to hunt because I didn't have access to, to places to hunt in the areas where I live. Um, but today it's, it's different. Um, I have my own, you know, parcel of land, which is a small piece, but, I can basically walk out my back door about 300 yards and I'm in my stand. Oh, so there's nice. not a big necessity of gear uh, that I need to take into the woods because I'm so close. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree to that. You know, it's uh, being in your backyard, you've got pretty much everything you need at the house. If you do harvest a deer, was there any small things that you take to the woods with you in particular? Um, no, my phone. <laughs> right. No, I, I guess yeah. when you're hunting your backyard, that's all you need in case you get in a, you know, an incident where you need to call somebody. Let's talk a little sure. bit about uh, the preparation for a hunt. Do you use any kind of scent sprays or soaps to prep for hunts? Yes, uh, I, I definitely use um, the scent lock, all the clothing, the the uh, um, the underliners, and then I spray down really well too. And I, I'm not even sure it's that important um, in this area because uh, I have kind of a natural funnel where where all of our backyards create this large funnel, and the deer are used to some human scent. But a deer of this size, you, you don't get close to a deer that size. Even even if they're used to seeing or hearing people, you don't get close to a deer that size unless you're, you know, you're definitely covered and the wind is right. Yeah, that, that, that's uh, great advice there. That, that's almost a proven fact. When you're hunting a buck of that caliber, do you do you store your hunting items in a particular container? Yeah, I, I actually have a uh, Rubbermaid sealed container, and all my hunting items go in there, and usually it's full of leaves in the fall. Um, you know, and, and just things to the natural, you know, a couple of acorns and things like that, just the natural scent of the items that are, are right here in the land that I'm hunting. So you just take and put leaves and acorns in your storage container? Mm -hmm. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Let's get into what kind of camouflage are you hunting with, Bill? Real tree. Real tree. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Tree, real tree and mossy oak seem pretty popular here on the show. Yes. Yeah. When you get into your whitetail hunting, tell us about what kind of bow you're shooting. Uh, currently, I have a Hoyt Ultra Mag, and that's the compound bow that I use. And then, depending upon the weather or later on in the season, that's that's a lot of times when I'll switch to the crossbow. Um, our our winters can get, as you know, Dusty, they can get you know pretty tough sometimes up here. And, and to sit in a stand for three or four hours and then pull seventy pounds and be accurate with it, uh, that can be pretty tough. Or you know, especially during rain and things of that nature. So later on in the season, I'll switch it up and, and go to the crossbow. Yeah, you know, Bill, I used to think winters are bad here, and then I met Jay. New Hampshire winners, are <laughs> yeah. I guess I should I shouldn't complain. <laughs> you got I'm it easy, I'm man. Cut the complaining back a little okay. bit. Yeah, it's just uh, it's amazing what the, the different uh, areas of the states and the climates uh, make for different winters. But you know, Jay having three foot of snow on the ground 
I'll take our foot and foot and a half most. Um, That's true. Yep. I'll take that every year. So you're, you're shooting a crossbow. Tell us what, what kind of uh, arrows are you shooting? Are you shooting carbon fiber or aluminum? Tell us about your arrows. Yeah, car- carbon fiber gold tips. Um, and I use those both in my, my compound bow and my crossbow. Gotcha. Are you what what kind of broadhead are you tipping the uh, carbon fiber arrow? Um, I I love the uh, the Rage Mechanicals, and uh, you know I know some guys don't like those, but um, everything I've ever shot with with these mechanical broadheads has dropped sixty to eighty yards from where I shot it. Is there anybody is it, never is it, had a is a particular one that comes to your head that you use? The the two blade is the one that I've moved to. I started with the three blades, but the two blades are, are what I've moved to now. And for the crossbow, they make one with a uh, a chisel tip. So if you do happen to catch a shoulder, um, you know it's pretty much piercing before it opens. Right. Yeah. That's uh that's a great necessity on the the broadhead. You know, and the more and more we get into these mechanical tips, the the more you know people need to realize that the mechanical tip is not made for the shoulder. It's, no, made, no. it's made to catch the back area, the rib cage, into the lung area. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge mistake that's often made, that they try to shoot the mechanicals, mechanicals in the same place that the uh, fixed blades are designed for, and they just don't seem to have the penetration. You know, and, and some have been real fortunate and lucky with it, and it's penetrated, but it uh, seems like about 8 out of 10 times that shoulder is bad news for a mechanical broadhead. Yeah, and I, I think that just goes back to shot placement in general. And if you're, if you're a, a bow hunter, um, one thing I pride myself on is, is I'm only going to shoot a good shot. And, and I've let, you know, plenty of deer walk that I just didn't have the right shot for. So, it, you know, the, the one thing that uh, is very important to me is to make sure that if I shoot a deer, that I'm harvesting that deer. Yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, something that all the listeners should take to, for uh, consideration that wait for that great shot, not just that good shot. Wait for that great shot and, and make sure that you harvest your animal. Let's get in a little bit about the area where you're actually hunting. Can you tell us a bit about the layout of the land where you're hunting there? Yeah, it's um, uh, it's really northern Ohio land. Uh, you know, some small hills, no no major ravines, no valleys, nothing like that. Um, but in my particular um, setup, we have a it's only it's only about 250 feet wide is my lot size, but it's about 1600 feet deep. But everybody in my neighborhood has that same type of lot, six to eight acres. Um, so these backyards all form this natural funnel. And on one side of us, we have um, one huge farm that, that I believe is probably two to 300 acres. And then on the other end of it, we have uh, another farm that's a couple hundred acres. And they typically have corn and beans, which is fantastic for deer up here. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any kind of standing timber in this area? Oh, yeah. Lots of uh, lots of cherry and oak, believe it or not. And um uh, you know, inside there's a couple of small swells, which, you know, have kind of some marshy area. And on my trail camera, a lot of times I'll find these big bucks taking pictures and the whole bottom six to eight inches of their leg will be black from where they've been hanging out in the marsh during hunting season. No kidding. Yep. Tell us a little bit more about that. So there's there's three spots um, right off of my property on the two properties adjoining and uh, one is really thick, and there's tons of deer trails that go into there. Now, the one on the back side, um, they started cleaning that out, uh, but there's still enough cover over there that, you know, the deer can get into the thick brush. And then there's a couple row of pine trees that always have lots of print, uh, especially in the, you know, when it's raining or you have a lot of snow or bad weather, that they hang right out under those pine trees, and I'm sure they bed in there. So it's kind of like a, a marshy swamp land with some real heavy cover. Yes, yep. So you're saying that whenever you get a, a trail cam picture of mature bucks are coming out and, and their legs are actually mud-covered, almost stained, where they've been hanging yes. out in this marsh. Yeah, the, the, and, it, and it seems to be right around the gun season of this area. I mean, you'll see that more and more, you know, later November, early December. No kidding. So it's not like that before gun then? No, not necessarily. Uh-uh. And, and the deer in this area, um, while there's leaves on the tree, are very, like, very at ease. Uh, I, I take tons of photographs and lots of videos um, because typically what I'll do is I'll, I'll get my eye on a deer and that's the only one I'll hunt. So, you know, I'll let the does and the small bucks go and I'll take a ton of pictures of those because I'm really fascinated with the animal. But once the leaves come off the tree, they start to get a little bit more skittish because I think they can see further. Um, you know, they, they know that there's there's things out there. There's more pressure in the woods because there's a lot of stands around the properties I have, there's lots of stands on either side of me. So, right, absolutely. Are you are you planting any kind of food plots? Um, occasionally, I'll put in just some some clover and sometimes some winter radishes and things of that nature, but but not on a regular basis. No. Right. And is this a particular area that you till up, or you just broadcast seed for it? 
No, I actually tow it. It's probably no more than a half an acre, but there's there's solid woods all the way around it, and then this this you know field right in the middle. So it's great to throw out some things like that, just to kind of draw them across and keep them there a little bit, so you can take a look at them. Right, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. What uh, what kind of tree stand are you using, Bill? Are you going to hang on climber? Tell us a little bit about your setup. Um, I used to use the uh, climbers consistently. That's that's really all I had. But now that I own the property, I put up a uh, a double ladder stand. So Damn. on this this field, I have um, a ladder stand on what would be the northeast side and the southwest side, depending upon the wind. So you run it. How many stands total do you have out? Three. Two. Nice. So you can play the wind on either side. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Jay, you want to get into the hunt? I do. I do have a couple questions, Bill, before we get into the hunt, though. How, how did you end up acquiring the property? Well, we, um, my wife and I had been looking for a, um, a place with some land because she knows how much I love to hunt. And uh, everything was pretty far down south. Now, I could either buy property, which I would have to drive an hour and a half to go hunt two or two hours or something like that, or I could find a nice house with no land. Well, we, um, we got lucky and found this home, which was three years old, uh, on six acres. And um, just really just kind of fell into our laps. So it was kind of the best of both worlds. She, she's got a nice house, and, and I have a place to hunt that I don't have to travel to. So, um, you know, but it was interesting. When we came to look at the house, I asked the owner, I said, hey, we, you know, we wanted to, to walk through the house. I said, but can I walk the land too? <laughs> so she, my wife's been looking at the bedrooms, and I'm outside looking for hoof prints. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Now, so th- this was land that you bought as your homestead, and you kind of put some two cents into it to see what kind of deer activity might be going on. And how many total acres is it? It's only six. Just six. Just six. Yep. That's all you needed. Just six acres. That's that's it. See, now that's intriguing. Doesn't take a lot. Gotcha. All right. So really, I mean, hunting for the most part is, is, I believe it's as much luck as it is anything else. You, You can, you can set up everything just right for what you believe is right but these are animals they they have free will and they have you know decisions that they make depending upon their surroundings and what happens to them so um you know as much as you work to make sure that you're you're on top of your game anything can happen any given day <laughs> right so are you landlocked or, or not landlocked but your your neighbors how's the give us kind of like a a description of how this thing's laid out you got a, a road and neighbors behind you how is that all look on a map okay so the uh if you were to come straight down our road almost everybody's house is about 200 feet back from the road itself okay so the other thousand feet of their yard of everyone's yard nobody can build on it it all goes straight behind the house so when you add up you know in my case maybe 20 or 30 houses on this road each one of them having a thousand feet about 250 to 300 feet wide it creates its own little passage of woods and then on the back side of us, um, there's a dead end road that comes into the back of my property. So there's nobody that can build back there either. And all of those folks have, you know, four, five, and six acres as well. So it, it is kind of a, a landlocked area that nobody can build on. And everybody, it's created its own little, like I said, natural funnel. Gotcha. Okay. So you get a road, everything's kind of leading to the back properties, but the adjacent properties are all connected as well. So it's, there's nothing that. It's going to interrupt the back part of the properties. Does that sound accurate? No, nope, not at all. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. Okay. Well, let's get into the hunt a little bit. Let's take us to about 48 hours prior to the kill. What were you doing? Well, let me let me back up just a hair um, okay. because I, this is kind of important to the story is for the last three years on my trail camera, I watched a um, – probably about a 138 point grow up. Mm. Um, and this eight point two years ago dropped a left drop time. And, and I thought that was really unique. I, I really like typical deer. I like the symmetrical racks. That That's my favorite. The non-typicals I wasn't really a big fan of. Um, I didn't see him all year. But the following year, which I believe was 2013, he dropped the right side as well. So he had a double drop time, beautiful 10 points. So he was a symmetrical eight with two drop times. Well, I chased that deer for two years and never... Never got a good shot at him. Um, always saw him at a distance. Couldn't grunt him in. Couldn't ring him in. Well, the Monday before I shot this deer, somebody took him. And it was oh, one wow. of my neighbors that's about a mile back. And and I got to tell you guys, <laughs> it broke my heart. It was, it was one of those that uh, you just felt like I, I was so invested in that deer that, you know, I didn't get a chance to harvest him. And I was happy for the guy that took him. But at the same time, I felt you know, kind of 
kind of disappointed. Um, Isn't that funny how that my works? Wife, of all people, yeah. You end up. My wife, of all people, said, "You know, there is that other one back there," and we had gotten pictures of this one on camera. And uh, she goes, "You know, you need to get back out in the woods." So I met a couple of people through that deer being posted on Facebook in this area that had started to exchange pictures with me of this double drop time that I got. And it's funny because that deer was known all through this, this whole area. And, you know, it was one of those where I had the pictures of it and I just didn't want to show anybody, <laughs> not knowing that there were probably about 12 or 14 hunters that were doing the exact same thing. Right. Right. Of course. <laughs> me and Bill will get along everybody great. Everybody knew of him. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 48 hours for before that would have been, the, that would have been that Saturday. Um, I was actually making connections with a couple of a uh, couple of other people that had been hunting this big deer and that the, the one that got taken the Monday before. Uh, that deer, by the way, ended up scoring uh, 168. Um, that the, that 10 point that I was after. So okay, so the in one you were talking to these guys. I'm sorry. The one you were you were chasing ended up scoring 168. That's the one that broke your heart, the heartbreaker. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. 168. Okay. Gotcha. So the, you know, that weekend before we were really just a bunch of us were that we had never even met, but by phone and through Facebook and social media, we're just exchanging pictures and talking about, you know, the hunts and, and, you know, everybody being after the, these couple of deer here. So the Sunday, um, prior to that, uh, I didn't get a chance to go out. And my wife said, you know, Monday, you just need to come home and come home early and get out in the woods. I said, well, I don't, I don't know if I'll be able to do that, but I'm going to give it a shot. And this is 2014, so, Bill? This is this is the beginning of this year. It was January of 2015. January 2015. Got it. Okay. And uh, so Monday, um, as I'm driving home from work and I'm kind of sneaking out a little bit early, um, one of my other buddies that hunts uh, is a big hunter, calls me up out of the blue. I haven't talked to him since the middle of the season. He goes, hey, have you, have you gotten anything? And we had gotten into a discussion about you know, the two deer, the one that already got taken. And I said, well, there's one left and he's really big. And John tells me, he says, as I'm getting out of my car, he goes, well, man, good luck to you. I hope you get that big one. So I come in, I change, I, uh, you know, I spray down, I, I put everything on and I, and I get into the woods. And this is about, about 4.30 um, that afternoon on Monday the 19th. It was cold and snowy, but at, at the time, the wind was really not blowing too hard. And, uh, um, you know, it wasn't raining or snowing at the time. There was just snow on the ground. So shortly after I get into my stand, um, you know, I, I'm trying to get settled in and, and get calmed down and stuff. And uh, shortly after I get into my stand, one of my neighbors on the far, what would be the southwest side of my field, starts shooting target practice. And a, a lot of guys around here will do that. And it sounded like a small caliber, probably like a 22. And, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, that's, that's not a good thing. Um, but fortunately for me, that, that led up to probably forcing this deer out of its bedding area earlier, um, than it normally would come in. Because what had, what had happened, what I kept finding on this, on my trail camera was about a half hour after dusk, this deer would come up to my trail camera and eat in the field. But he never came before while it was still daylight. Mm. And, uh, my guess is, is that, that shooting in that area forced him to leave his, his comfort zone early, and that's probably the only reason I got a shot at him. Gotcha. Okay. So that kind of gets you up to the last few hours. Mm -hmm. so, okay. So bring us the, the time frame again. It, it's January 2015, snowy, and you've been kind of on this buck for how many months now? This buck I've, I've been after all season. So, okay. so in my mind, as soon as, as soon as the season started, I'm, I told myself, either one of these two great bucks, I'm, I, I'll be happy to shoot either one of them. I'd, I'd love to get an opportunity for either one. Gotcha. Okay. And, and, and looking back on my camera. But both of these particular bucks were drop tines. Yes. And, and later on, I found out there was actually a third taken in January as well from this same area. Not near as big. But so there were three of them. And the good news is it was late January. So all of them got to, uh, got to breed this season. So that's a good thing. The genes are still out there. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. All right, so we're into the last 48 hours of this hunt. Is that correct, Bill? Yes. All right. What time of day is it right now during the hunt? Um, during the hunt? Yep. Yeah, it's um, it's about 5.30, 5.15, Okay. In the morning, at night? In, in the evening. In the evening. All right. You know, what's the plan? Well, uh, you know, as often happens, it's going to be dark soon, and my thoughts have gone to when's the next time I can get back into the woods. <laughs> right. Because I, I haven't seen anything, nothing's moving, and uh, you know I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know I got out here. When can I get back here again? So you've already written this thing off. 
Yeah, kind of. You, you know, when it, it starts to get close to that hour, you're, you're thinking, you know, if something doesn't happen quick, what's the next move? Right. So the sun's going down. What, what's starting to run through your head? You're, you're, you're thinking probably not happening tonight. Right. Better plan for the next day. Yep. But something happens. It does. So let's let's go through that minute by minute. I want to hear the final epilogue of this this entire story here. So you're in your stand. So, mm-hmm. and uh, as often happens with big deer, and, and it's almost magical. I catch something out of the corner of my eye, and it's very close, and I didn't hear anything coming whatsoever. So it, it's it's as if this thing just appeared. Um, so I I take a slow turn, catching it out of the corner of my eye, and against the backdrop of the snow, the first thing I saw was both drop tank. It, it was just like a, a rack, and they almost looked like earrings just dropping straight into the snow. Hmm. How far and away is this point, puck at this point? About 17 yards. Oh, wow. Straight off my left shoulder. Is there anything between point, you and it at this point? Yes. Yeah, there's there's lots of brush and a couple of trees. Okay. What's your heart rate at this point? You know, it was funny. I, I don't. I've taken, I have one Ohio big buck already, and I've taken uh, a couple of other nice bucks. Um, and normally I don't get nervous until after. Um, but with this one, I knew what it was. It wasn't as if I had to analyze it or look to see if I wanted to shoot. I knew what it was. And uh, this one was, was much different. Hmm. So he had to walk behind a large tree. And um, to get to where he was going in the field, he actually had to make a turn to the right and be, get, get closer to my stand in order to make the, the trip from where he came from. And at one point, we were probably about 11 yards apart. And at that point, he locked eyes with me. Oh, and uh, that's, that's when I realized I wasn't breathing. And, and as nervous, <laughs> I usually don't get nervous till after, but this buck made me nervous. And, and I was holding my breath so long, I almost coughed. And, and what went through my mind at that point is, if I blow this, I'll never forgive myself. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're, you're, you're in a lockdown staring contest with this. Yes. 190 and, plus inch buck and you're not breathing. And he's, no. <laughs> and I'm holding my breath. <laughs> wow. So, um, he, he actually looks away and, and I've had this happen before that a, a deer will, you know, have his eyes fixed on you and they'll look away and almost begging you to change and they'll snap their head right back and make eye contact again. It, it's almost looking for you to do something to make a mistake. And I was able to at least exhale when he looked away. Right. Uh, and recompose myself. And uh, he did that three times before he moved. He would turn his head like he was going to walk in and snap right back and, and lock eyes with me again. Gotcha. Do you have anything surrounding your stand at all to, to, to break up your, your outline, or are you just relying purely on your camouflage? Um, no, I actually did put a, uh, on the ladder stand, I did put the cover on it. I've hunted with it open for three years, but this year I did put the cover on it. Okay. Um, so there is some outline breakup as well, yes. Okay. Gotcha. So this thing's staring at you. Look, looks away. You exhale. He snaps back. What does he do then? Um, same thing. And like I said, I think it was three times exactly that that he he would look away and then look right back just to see if I moved or or anything. And and at this point, my crossbow was still you know in my lap on the rest in front of me. I still hadn't picked it up. Oh wow! So you haven't even engaged the weapon yet. Oh no 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> We have lots of things to happen to, to go right before this is over. <laughs> right. So, are you trying to figure out when you're staring at this deer? When do I when do I make my move? What's going through your head? Exactly. At that point? Okay. Yeah. How how can I click the safety off? How can I get it up without you know changing my my outline or giving myself away? And and you know is this deer going to give me a shot? Is is it going to wait? Are things going to work out? All that's going through your head. And is he still in the brush, or has he moved over to a point where no, he's he's right broadside right in front of me probably 10 to 12 yards wow nothing in between us yep all right so so what do you do <laughs> so i laid him out um you know as i said before it, it, it i would rather let him go and not be spooked and maybe have another opportunity than try and force something you know and, and maybe he jumps maybe he runs maybe i have to try and take a shot i i laid him out and uh you know after about the third time he he turned back and you could almost see his stance kind of relax. Mm. And at that point, I, I brought the crossbow up, put the sight on him, and hit the safety. Now, because of the way he turned, he, he was almost um, three-quarters of the way pointing away from me. So I, I really would have had to come in from behind the uh, almost the bottom of the right rib cage mm. to get a shot at that point. And it, it just wasn't a good shot. Gotcha. So, so here I am watching him start to walk away. But he's he's changed his demeanor. You can tell that he's yeah. he's now saying, 
all right, I'm cool with this area. All, all threats are off. Yep, he's he's absolutely calm at this point. But he's three quarters away, and you, you have a bad yep. shot. That's the best shot you have is a bad shot at that yep. point. Gotcha. So he's starting to walk away from you now? The, directly away. I mean, straight line right in front of me away. Are you freaking out at this point? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm holding sight on his side, going turn, turn, turn. <laughs> Trying to will it to do exactly what you want it yep. to do. Yep. How far away is he getting? 26 yards. He gets to 26. And he and he did exactly that. He turned uh, quartering away um, and just stopped. Stopped and looked into the woods. Mm. So now what do you do? I put it on him and pulled the trigger. And uh, it, it was a good solid hit. Right side rib cage came out in front of the left side shoulder. Um, and it, immediately in the snow, I saw a spray on both sides. It's nice when the snow's there. Yes, it is. Red on white is... Uh, a nice thing to see, especially when yep. it's after a, a bow shot. So you must have felt great. You like? Well, I, I did, but he ran. Okay. And, and he ran straight into the woods, and I couldn't see him. Mm. So I didn't get to see him fall or know how far he went. And I do know that earlier that evening, I saw my neighbor two yards over going into his stand. Oh and he boy! He ran directly towards his stand. <laughs> so the the adrenaline surge is not over yet. Gotcha. So you're you're like uh, now what? You got a right. good shot. You got spray on snow. So now what do you do? I still waited him out. I uh, I, I still gave him a half hour, which is normally not as much as I like to wait. But I I still waited him out, and I kept an eye on the woods over where my my neighbor's stand is, just to see if I saw any activity. At this point, it's starting to get dark. I was looking for flashlights. I was just looking for anything that would say that somebody else sees this thing. Mm. How long did you wait? Half hour. That's all I could take. All right. <laughs> I I'm going to wait this thing out. 30 yep. minutes tops. <laughs> That's it. Yep. Gotcha. Is it, is it dark out now? Yes. Yep. And how's the how's the temperature and the wind? Um, wind is still fine. And it, I, I really, it was in the 20s, I believe, but it, I certainly didn't feel any cold at all. Okay. <laughs> All right, and it's dark now. Like you, you can't see much. Yes. Okay. So, what's the strategy from that point on? So I, I climb down. I pull out my flashlight, and you know, as soon as I hit the snow, I'm pretty excited. I could see, you know, the red everywhere. The first hop, which looked like it was probably an eight to ten, you know, feet jump. As soon as the hooves hit, you could see another spray. So I'm pretty excited there, and I have to cross about about eighty feet to get into the woods where the the trail is. Um, so I get over there and, and keep trailing, and I don't see anything. So now at this point, I'm, I'm starting to encroach on my next-door neighbor's property, which I have permission to hunt on, so that's not a problem. And then the property after that, if it comes to that, I have permission to, to go over there. I know him as well, but he's the one that hunts. Gotcha. So as I, as I start down, the, uh, down the, the far side of my property and up the other side, I look up, and he's right there. I mean, it maybe made it 60, 70 yards. And at that point, it, it kind of all hit you. Yeah. <laughs> what were you thinking at that exact moment? I just couldn't believe it, to be honest with you. It was like, there's no way. And and sure enough, that was him. That's intense. Yep. So what would you do at that point? So I, I walked over, you know, made sure he was he was done and, uh, you know, stood in front of him for a second and, uh, <laughs> you know, recomposed myself. And the first thing I did was call my wife. So I, I called her up and I said, uh, I said, I got him. And she said, you got what? I said, <laughs> I said, I got that big one. And she said, you liar. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> because, you know, being married for 26 years, I do have a habit of pulling her leg once in a while. Of course. It's part of marriage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, she absolutely did not believe me. I had to hang up and text her a picture. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And then what did she say? Yep. Well, then it was good. So then she's on the phone calling all our friends. And, uh, you know, next thing I know, there's headlights in my driveway. And <laughs> right. and it's it's a big party at that point. That's fantastic. That's awesome, Bill. Uh, yep. So you're you're looking at this thing in the dark with your flashlight and called your wife. What do you decide to do next? Um, at that point, I wanted to make sure he was on my property. So I, I put my tag on him real quick and just kind of pulled him you know, another 20 or 30 yards just to make sure he was on my property so I could walk up, um, you know, grab some stuff, shed some clothes, and then get him back to the house. Yeah, yeah, without disturbing the boundary lines. Got it. Right, right. Right. And he ended up being on your property, I take it? Uh, no, he was probably about, about 30 feet into uh, into my neighbor's okay. yard. Gotcha. 
did you end up needing to make some phone calls? What, how did you handle that situation? No, no. Uh-uh. Um, like I said, I had, I had been over there uh, actually about two weeks before and, you know, we had discussed about hunting and things like that. And they're, uh, they're very nice and, and very open about anything like that. They don't hunt, but they do shoot okay. um, pistols and stuff like that. So, yeah, they were fine with it. Gotcha. Well, that's cool. Very nice. So what's the plan at this point? How you're 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 just gazing at this thing and how many how many minutes are going by as you're trying to just take in what just happened? Um it, it's probably a good 10 15 minutes of just, you know, just staring and looking and uh you know trying to gauge how big is he really is a you know it's it, it's um it's amazing the deer for the size of the head and the rack um only weighed 160 pounds got it. Wow. And, you know, everybody, I've, I've taken those that are much bigger than that. And, you know, everybody's like, there's no way. But the, the legs on this were under two foot long. So huh. from, from shoulder to hoof were under two feet. And, wow. So you, you know, did you say, hun- this, you say it weighed 160, 160 pounds dressed? Yep. Wow. Hmm. Sometimes nature just has funny ideas, doesn't it? I, I guess. Yeah. I think that, I think the rack was eating all the nutrition in that deer. I, that's exactly what I said. He's all head and rack. <laughs> right. That's very cool. And how'd you get it out of the woods, Bill? Uh, it was, uh, you know, the beauty of having it right behind your house is it's kind of a downhill slide in the snow right in my backyard. <laughs> mm, that's the best. So no problem at all. That uh, pulled it up to where I did, you know, field dress it, and then I have a two wheel dolly. I just threw it up on that just because it's late in the season, and the last thing I want to do is drag it by a rack and you know snap one of them off. I <laughs> right. That would not have been good. Right. Would you have changed anything about how it all went down? Or were you just completely elated about how it all played out? No, I, I, you know, part of doing what we do, I think, is the, uh, you you can have very good days in the woods without ever harvesting a deer. And, you know, to enjoy the the roller coaster of emotions of the hunt this year, I wouldn't have changed anything. I think it was, I think it was a fitting end to, you know, the highs and lows of a deer season. Gotcha. Yeah. It it seems like you you ended on a high note. And that's awesome. That's just fantastic. So how do you plan for next year now that you've taken this massive buck, more big bucks in the, um, in the, the plans? You know, I, I, I really like the big bucks and, uh, um, you know, if I have meat in the freezer next year, um, I, I'll, I'll hunt the same way I've always hunted. And that's is I'll try and put my eye on a nice one and, uh, and I'll hunt that deer. Um, you know, my wife doesn't eat it, so I'm, I'm the only one that eats it. And I only harvest one a year because of that. So I try and put my eye on the one I want, and it's a luxury that most hunters don't have. So for me, it's 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 more of a challenge to you know try and pick out one specific deer and go after the deer. And there's there's years I've gone home with nothing just because of the fact that I was after a specific deer. Gotcha. But I don't I don't think it changes for me. Uh, you know, I may never ever even see one this big again, but uh, it'll still be one that I'm after. Gotcha. That's awesome, Bill. Um, so if you could leave us with a few things, Bill, I was wondering if you had to pick one tool that you would bring into the woods with you, what would that be? It's got to be the knife. The knife. you got to have a good knife. Okay. <laughs> yep. What's your favorite knife? Uh, I like buck knives. Buck knives. Okay. Very good. Mm-hmm. Excellent brand. And if there was one book that you would recommend to people listening to the show, what book would you recommend? Um, I'm not much of a book guy, to be honest with you. Most of uh, the information I got um, was from magazines. Okay. And uh, you, you know, for me, I, I don't I don't know that there's any one that I, I like more than another because um, there's so much information in all of them. Um, my my favorites are probably Deer and Deer Hunter, Field and Scream, and Outdoor Life. Yep. And uh, not only do they have great you know hunting information, they have great outdoor information. And uh, to me, it's 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 about being outdoors. It's about enjoying, you know, life outdoors. And, and if you can gather any information out of those and, and put them into the woods, those are my favorites. Gotcha. Awesome. And if you could leave us with one hunting tip, your favorite hunting tip of all time, what would it be? Um, I don't know if it's so much a tip as, as it is advice, but you have to spend your time in the woods. If, if you really want to, you know, narrow down and, and, you know, chase big deer, you have to put your time in the woods. Um, you know, guys do get lucky and they, they walk in and, you know, shoot a big deer on opening day of gun season and things like that. But if you're, if you're consistently looking for big deer, you have to put your time in. Right. Gotcha. And this is a, one of our favorite questions when we haven't heard an answer to the question yet. Dusty, you want to ask the question? 
Bill, did you name that buck? <laughs> I named it Double D because that's what I was after. <laughs> the Double um, D buck. Double D. It's, <laughs> I it's, love it's it. Been called, <laughs> it. It's been called several different things. Um, it was called The Legend of Springfield. Um, I had a gentleman that I showed a picture to down in uh, at Gander Mountain, and he called it. The, he said his uncle called it the Ghost Deer, um, but I named it Double D. And uh, interesting piece of this is one of my uh, wife's coworkers told her husband that I named it Double D because of the size of the rack. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, it was because of the double drop times. But that's kind of funny as well. <laughs> right, but it all kind of fits together. I can see that. Sure. sure. Yeah. Awesome. Bill, this has been awesome. Um, I love seeing the pictures and thanks for sending it into the big buck podcast and the, the big buck registry. So we can take a look at this thing. And I know you sent dusty a picture, uh, I think of the mount and I can't thank you enough for just opening up and, and sharing the story behind those great photos. Yeah. It just, uh, puts it all together for us and really, uh, for deer hunting fans like we are, but we can't thank you enough. Well, I, I really appreciate it, guys, I, and I, I enjoyed talking about it, and uh, it's funny how we all came together um, as well. So it's kind of unique. This whole this whole thing uh, has just been a, a, a really a good experience for me and a, and a lot of good fortune and a lot of good people involved in it. So It is funny. We, we were looking for you. You were looking for us, and the universe <laughs> brought us all together. And I, That's just that's the way it. things work sometimes. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Bill, we, thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, Dusty. Bill, thank you so much. We'll All right. Be, well, thank you, guys. We'll be in touch. Okay. All right. Bye. Take care. I love it when a double D comes together. Amazing. Man. It's crazy that all them drop time bucks in one area. It is kind of interesting. Oh, like, I wonder if it's genetics or, I mean, what, what causes a drop time? I don't even know. Oh, it's got to be genetics, you know. I, yeah. I don't know. That's something that I'd really like to know. So we're going to do some research and get a guest on that can tell us some more about antler antler growth and how that process all works. You know, that would be a great show for the listeners. That would be a great show. Antler growth, period. That's all we want to know about. Yeah. How do antlers grow? Yeah. You know, you hear so many different stories about that. Right. You know, we, we want to get the truth and the facts. I'd love to get right down to the nitty-gritty science of... How do how do you know what? How much influence does nature versus nurture have yeah. on these these racks? That'd be a great show for you, Jay, with the science background that you got. It'd be right. a killer show for what uh, what drives you. The deer nerd that I am. Absolutely, yeah. there's nothing wrong with being a deer nerd. No, you know, I, I may be like a deer junkie. True, this is true. I do love the name that they that uh, this buck has been deemed Double D. Double D. That's Double a D. great name. It's man, a great, great part of the show. I, I swear to it. Yeah, love it, man. How yeah, about a, uh, a Chubby Tines tip of the week? Anything for me? Yeah, I do. I do have a Chubby Tines tip of the week. What do you got? You know, we're, we're six months out right now. Yeah. And, and this is something that drives me crazy, and I'm going to talk about tonight. It's kind of a tip, but kind of a little pointer. You know, a lot of people build their own tree stand setup, whether it's a box blind or some sort of homemade ladder stand. Well, the thing is, you, you want to paint that. I see people like three weeks before season painting their tree stand or their box blind that they built. Yep. We need to get them things done now. Let that paint cure out. If you're going to build a homemade box blind, you're going to paint it or a ladder stand, whatever you're building to be in the woods to hunt out of, and you're planning on painting it, now's the time. Get that thing painted so that that scent and smell can get away from the paint. That's a good point. Let it get cured out and get it scent free for when it goes in the woods, you know? Yeah. One, one thing that, that I've seen done is people will paint it, let it dry out for a couple of weeks, and then take dirt and leaves and mix them all up and rub it all over it. Try to get some of that outdoor odor to the, out, the exterior of that building or whatever you're building. So, yeah, that's my tip of the week. Get them things taken care of early and let it get settled down, the smells and the, the shine, let the weather hit it. Get it all ready to go for deer season now and, and versus procrastinating till three weeks before season. And then you don't see no deer because you're blind or you're homemade, whatever you make that you're going to set in. Stinks like paint. You can't You can't do that. Yeah. That's my tip of the week. Get your stuff together now and, and be ready for later. That's so true. Paint stinks. Bucks hate it. And you got to let these things soak for a long time. Yeah. You know, just, just a 
it's a fail from the start when I see that, you know. It's just one of the things I wanted to point out that right. I'm looking back on the previous years that, you know, I've seen a few people painting a box blind a few weeks before season started. And then, then they're posting on social media that they're not seeing any deer. Well, you know, if you you get all this stuff done, you get that box blind scent free, and you get it placed out there a couple months before season, the deer are going to naturally settle down to something that's there day in and day out. They They just, they get used to it. Right. And they're not but, they're not making scent free paint last I checked. They may now. I'm going to check into that. We might have to invent that. Might need to cut this out of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Holy smoke! Uh, wow, that's funny. It is. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, get that stuff together, <laughs> uh, get it placed in the area that you're going to hunt out of it, and let it sit there. Let it grow up around with trees and weeds and natural deterrent for deer. Right. You know, get it set, get it ready. Now's the time to get it done. Absolutely. 100% agree. Well, I would like to invite you, if you are listening to this show on an iDevice, an Apple device, to uh, leave us a review. If you haven't done so already, please, please, please hit that, that button. Do a search for the Big Buck Registry, and then you'll see where you can actually leave a review. Sometimes it doesn't show up if you're just listening on the podcast player, but if you do a search for Big Buck Registry, then it'll bring up the review section. If you could leave us a review about the show, we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, you can reach us at 724-613-2825. If you'd like to give us a call, leave us some feedback. Uh, you can reach us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Big Buck Registry, twitter.com forward slash Big Buck Registry, youtube.com forward slash Big Buck Registry. As always, bigbuckregistry.com, our blog, and if you would like to have your buck featured on our Facebook page and be famous for a day, you can send it into bigbuckregistry.com forward slash my buck. And please, if you have a few extra bucks hanging around, you'd like to pledge your support for this show. Uh, we could certainly use the help and you can go to bigbuckregistry.com forward slash pledge P L E D G E. Dusty, how can we find you? Facebook.com forward slash Chubby Tines Outdoors. And you also reach me at Dusty at BigBuckRacery.com. Shoot me an email. Shoot me a message. Let me know what's going on out there. And if you got a great buck, we definitely want to see that buck at the Big Buck Registry. Yes. And like we did with Bill Wilson, we just might track you down if it's one impressive specimen with a great story. Absolutely. Another thing, Jay, if they want to check us out, we do have a new program going, a new channel. It's called the outdoorpodcastchannel.com. That's correct. You can find all our content over there along with seven other outdoor podcasters ranging from fishing to turkey hunting to general hunting in general uh, from all across the country. It's really uh, quite a good listen. If you love the podcasting format in general, outdoorpodcastchannel.com. It's seven days a week of podcasts. New show. It's crazy. New show every day. I can't, we can't keep up with that pace, but we can with our friends. That's for sure. Absolutely. I'm Jay Scott. And I'm Dusty Phillips. And this is the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Deer Hunting Podcast. See you next week. Can't wait.